0: I'm Micah, and I'm Eli, and this is Before Anything Else, the podcast for Bays
1: Everywhere, in which we question the commonplace and discuss our intersections with tunes, topics, and
0: gossip we love. Welcome to Bayland, (laughs) y'all. Okay, everybody recording, yes? Okay, hey, camp counselor, bitch. Okay. Hi, <laughs> I know it's me every time. Eli, the camp counselor, wrangling all the kids. I, in. Uh, I just found out that
1: Taylor knows someone that I was a camp counselor with back in the day. So I'm like in that. What? Fucking Camp right CeeLo,
0: bitch. Are you serious? Yes,
1: yes, Camp CeeLo. The connections run so deep. Come, it's a on. small, tiny world. I
0: hey, hate. I literally can't tell you how much I hated hearing about Camp CeeLo when. Like we were like in high school and in college. When you decided to go back and you were in college, and I was like, Are you fucking serious? Anyway. <laughs> I'm so Hi rude. everybody, welcome. Uh, we
1: are here in the the digital studio. The digital, Not the real studio. The digital flesh right now. The digital flesh. We are here with Taylor Alexander Skarska. and Taylor is someone who I discovered through their amazing, amazing piece on Them, the publication that um, I know Micah and I are both big fans of. We post a bu- repost a bunch of their stuff on Instagram, and they wrote an amazing piece on Them called Non-Binary Folks Are Still Invisible, Even in Queer Spaces, and I loved it, and it really spoke to me, and I reached out to them, and... Now they are here on the show. No, they all, are yay. executive director, Connecting. executive director of Southern Fried Queer Pride, and the host of Sweet Tea, a queer variety show based in Atlanta, Georgia. So, Taylor, thank you so much for being here.
2: Yeah, done with my Ellen me. moment.
0: yeah you literally are like trying to like grandstand right now and i'm about to object (laughs) i'm literally about to object for like fucking like relevance right now i can't even (laughs) so we we
1: already decided on our icebreaker because we were getting there before even starting the recording (laughs) Icebreaker liquid
0: ice i'm ready for this i'm ready let's make it happen it's
1: Sort of what has become my first question I always ask people nowadays is if you are an astrology-inclined person, and you said yes, so I was curious as to what is your alignment?
3: Your chart. So, I am a Aquarius Sun, a Scorpio Moon, Mm. a Gemini Rising, um, a, I think my Mars is in Cancer, my Venus is Aries, and my Mercury... I think it's an Aries. I'm not sure. She gave check. us the but whole yeah.
0: map and she is not to be
3: trusted. <laughs> I want everyone to know. <laughs> she
1: she is not
0: to be trusted how am i not i love it when people
1: give me their whole map i saw a picture on twitter where someone was like i met this guy on tinder and told him i was into astrology and he printed me out his chart and it was three pages that he printed out (laughs) explaining every
0: single part yes i'm obsessed
1: Well, for relevance, just to, just for equity here, I am a Pisces Sun, a Leo Moon, and a Virgo Rising, and I forget the, wow. the other parts.
0: To be honest, I'm com. I like honestly all I can tell you is that I am probably the I'm two of the three most volatile signs. I feel like no, <laughs> I'm two. I'm two of the four. Because Pisces is definitely one of the most volatile signs and I'll say that from the mm. from the job. Really? It's true. It's true. It's so true. But I am
1: It
3: can be. <laughs> it surely
0: can be. I am um, I'm a Leo sign and I'm an Aries. Moon,
3: so Oh, you poor thing. Oh Skirt
0: <laughs> Skirt. I know. I literally oh. I can never fit into any doorway <laughs> that I walk through because my head is just too big. So yes, <laughs> so there you have it. That's where we are, and I'm trying to be sorry about it. I really am. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on it. You know, it's it's, it's a development. Yeah, paradise. always working
1: on it. Truly. So Taylor, why don't we just to sort of kick things off? um, If you could just like sort of give us a rundown of what it is that you do, who it is that you are. I I gave you a little, a few little. Uh, intros there, but I would like to hear in your words sort of the the work that you do and how
3: you describe yourself.
0: And start off with your preferred gender pronouns, please.
3: Yes. So. Okay. <laughs> my name is Taylor Alexander. I use they/them or she/her pronouns.
2: Love I am
3: that. twenty-five. I have a lovely cat who is meowing in the background. I'm obsessed. Um, <laughs> He gets on my nerves, because he pisses on everything, so...
1: Men. Mm, uh, Poor thing.
3: <laughs> but, um, I, yeah, like, um, like it's been said before, I'm the executive director of Southern Pride Queer Pride, which is a nonprofit organization I co-founded in 2014. Uh, we are yes. all about arts and advocacy and uplifting Southern people, because... Honestly, in the national narrative, people think that the South is just a bunch of, like, Republicans and conservatives, and nobody's really living their truth. Right. But, you know, Atlanta, Miami, um, yes, places Miami. in, like, North Carolina, they're all, like, queer meccas. So we're, we have our own history, and we are doing the damn thing, and people should know about it. Um, but aside from Southern Pride, Queer Pride, um, my day job, I work for Atlanta Pride. Um, yes. I've been there for about seven months. And I'm the Community and Outreach Specialist. Um, I'm a drag queen performer. I've been performing for seven years, or going on seven years. Wow. What's, what's
0: her name?
3: Taylor Alexander. It's all the same. Oh, I
0: love it. Yes, she's a brand. She is a brand. I'm obsessed. She's a brand. A brand. Thank I'm you. Dead on. No, I love it. I love it.
3: Thank you. But yeah, and... um. Drag has really informed my like community organizing. Um, I've been hosting Sweet Tea, a queer variety show, which brings together drag, music, comedians, spoken word, um, all in a very DIY kind of like aesthetic um, for about okay. six, no, some five years. And yeah, I'm a lover, not a fighter, but if you want to fight, I'm down to throw hands. Um,
0: yes, throw them bows. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm obsessed. I'm ready for this. Oh my god, what would you fight about? Yeah, what would you so... fight about?
3: <laughs> what would I fight That's about? A first I... Question. That's a great first interview question, Micah.
0: Thank you. Thank oh my you.
2: Gosh. <laughs> no, I
3: love I love I love these questions. I think I don't want to talk about it too soon, but I've been really inspired by the Vixen on RuPaul's Drag Race right now. Yeah Yes! Um,
0: <laughs> yes! yes! <laughs> uh, sorry. Yes to literally all of them. <laughs> And I I already know what you're going to say, but go for it.
3: (laughs) But yeah, I mean, like, I'm not really here for confrontation. If we can, like, squash things out, like, without fighting, that's totally fine. But if people, specifically people who are trying me against my identities, come for me, I will come for them because I'm a savage and my mama didn't raise no fool. So, yeah. Mama didn't raise no
0: hoe. That's true. Same. (laughs) <laughs> truly, truly saying The Vixen on Drag Race is every single thing I have, like, needed to happen in my life. Absolutely. Ever. Like, literally, first of all, well, here's the thing, though. The, the craziest thing about the Vixen is that she's, like, that girl that you, like, really love, but, like, you don't fuck with her in real life, though. Because she's always <laughs> in the defense. Like, she's literally, she's honestly, like, the Drag Race version of, like, Azalea Banks, like you really want to fuck with her? Oh so my god! Hard, but, you but you, but you literally can't because she's always like on the defense and she's always like trying to pop shit. And I'm just like, girl, like, ho- like yeah. we cannot,
1: we cannot go an episode without bringing up Azalea. I know
0: we really can't. Still but holds true. I just, but I mean, the-
3: we should always bring up the best female rapper currently living, putting out music right now. Oh, that is such. I
0: you opened you literally just opened I'm Pandora's like box. Banning myself because
1: Taylor belongs on this podcast. You like, just who, opened, where have they been? You
0: opened Pandora's box, and now Eli is about to be like, <laughs> Eli about to be that meme that's just like, I just think it's funny how like that's literally know, that's literally, that's not true. Uh, that's literally about love. to be you right now.
1: Azalea has played a vital role in Micah and I's relationship, um, loving her and hating her and loving her some more. It's also, been a, it's, it's been a complicated path. I'll <laughs> but never traverse. We have, bu- have bushwhack. I'll never
0: buy any of her music ever again, though, because she came for Beyonce and Rihanna, and I just I like I won't. Like we're just like that is.
3: Wait, weird. what did the she Bucks- say about Beyonce and Rihanna? Because she might have had some valid points.
0: Oh.
1: oh. Okay, wait. So I just want to remind everyone I touched on the <laughs> agenda and the pop culture part was like at the later part of the agenda. We <laughs> We're going off my agenda. We
0: have um we have actually taken the mic from the camp counselor Eli and we are now we are now, we are now following a new agenda that is going to um, okay. address the extremely vital topics at hand.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay, let's let's flip it. I'm I'm down then. Because if that's if that's the trail we're blazing, then I'm I'm
0: because easier. listen, okay, listen, and I know even I don't know I can't quote verbatim what Azalea Banks said. All I know is that she most definitely fired shots at Rihanna more than once and at Beyonce once. And she never fired a shot at Beyonce ever again.
3: But I think the shot at or some of the shots at Rihanna Where that, you know, people, all these, like, kind of, like, B-list, C-list, like, musicians are always the ones that are in the studio, like, writing and crafting for the pop stars. Like, Azealia has written and done songs for Rihanna, Lady Gaga, even Katy Perry, Uh, Natalia Kills, the the one who basically ruined her career by being a very, uh... She blew herself up. Lord She blew herself up. Mm, but she, mm, you know, mm, she mm. still has a career writing for, like, Madonna and Britney Spears and people like that. Right. So, like, you know, uh, Azalea did all these demos, you. all these songs because right when Azalea was popping off with 212, everybody in the music industry was like, okay, I guess this is the next one coming up. Let's go ahead and try to, like, use her, get what we can and dip out. So, you know, she did, what, like, Red Flame with Lady Gaga that never came out. She did a few songs that were supposed to be on Anti with Rihanna. Uh, and it just—it uh, didn't work out. Number one, in my honest opinion, I heard the demos, and she was just like outshining people. Um,
0: wow, Jesus!
1: She just—mean yes, I she can rap and she can sing. It was
3: just like, no, it was just weird. Like Red Flame with Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga was just like there. Azalea was wrapping bars around her. The songs that she did with Rihanna, Rihanna was just doing Rihanna, which is perfectly fine because she's Rihanna, and she is the only Pisces that I trust, and- Thank you. Thank you. Thank
0: you. Pisces cannot be fucking trusted. Thank you. Thank you.
3: Oh, no, no, no. They're not the worst water sign. Worst water signs are Cancers, but- um, (laughs) I'm not arguing with that. Wow! (laughs) There's no lie there.
0: No, Scorpios are definitely the worst water signs- what no scorpios are the best (laughs) because scorpios you can because you can either like really be like the besties with a scorpio or you can be mortal enemies with a scorpio you gotta pick one you can't you can't you can't be in between but i and i i say that because i love scorpios but they are definitely like the ones who will like pull some k michelle type shit first Scorpions ah, don't just pull,
1: pull out the shade from other people. They don't throw the shade. They pull it from other people. They they get other people to instigate the fight so that they can, like, live stream it uh, on Instagram. Damn,
0: that's real. That's real. <laughs> anyway, but back to Azalea Banks and Rihanna. <laughs> because <laughs> but I know she, point.
3: like, yes. Um, she threw some shots at Rihanna. And, you know, the Navy came for her. And you know I love Rihanna. What she does when she does what she does is great. There's no coming for her. Like I don't dislike her, but if we're like Azalea shouldn't have should not have come for Rihanna or Beyonce. I think sometimes Azealia puts her own foot in her mouth okay. and uh, fucks her yeah. own self up so yes that's definitely
0: here's the thing she did so here's the the first time she came for Rihanna she came for like Rihanna as like a talented person and like that was just I don't want to talk about that like that's unfounded like Rihanna has let's
3: talk about it
0: though (laughs) I mean listen 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 okay Rihanna has grown so fucking much like she could not like I admit that she went through a rough patch in terms of her like live performances and stuff and she just like wasn't killing it for such a long time. But I feel like recently, since Anti, Rihanna has not She has not been off. One performance she has done, she has not been off.
3: I definitely think she's sounding the best she's ever sounded, especially yes. with Anti. Because I think with Anti, she was just like, y'all want me to keep on putting out these records that have like four really good hit songs, and you just run through the rest of the album, and the next year I'm putting out another one. So she took her time with Anti, which I appreciate.
0: And found um, songs that fit her voice, and she can sing all of them.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. That which is was great. the
0: other key component of that.
3: Yes. So good for Robin um Fenty. But <sighs> on like a talent level, um, no. Oh. Uh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I mean, yeah, Azealia Banks, like, needs to go to, like, some, like, mediation counseling, some anger management, she needs to sit back, (laughs) change her entire team, because I think for a long time, she just had some people who were just trying to, like, pimp her out for some money, but, like, weren't really invested in her craft and nurturing her as an artist, and somebody needs to handle her social media, but, Uh. like, if you ask me, like, who's more talented, hands down, Rihanna or Azealia, I'm putting all my money on Azealia.
1: Fuck. I just think I think that it's a hard thing because like, Azalea definitely has. Uh, I think that she like is technically a better singer than Rihanna, but she I doesn't always. Okay, well, I guess I don't. Oh. Like, I like Rihanna's, Okay, I like Rihanna's voice better because I think that Rihanna gets more like training and attention and has right. like a better concept of how to use her voice. Right. But I think that if you're looking at it from like a who can hit more notes? But that's like, I don't know. That's
0: not like, okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna interject because literally, <laughs> well, because listen, like, Azalea, yes, she can do more with her voice, but that does not a good singer make. And I would much rather have someone who knows how to use their voice and what makes their voice sound best than Azalea because she has a lot of raw talent, but she has not, she still to this day has not harnessed her talent, period that's sort of the point that
1: I was trying to make like exactly right but it is also true I mean Taylor does have I mean if this is a if this is an argument between the two sides there is the fact that Azalea can wrap her ass off and Rihanna cannot do that yes I mean that is that is objectively true yes
0: that's completely completely verifiably real That's very right. Like just, just
1: like scientifically proven. I think. I think. (laughs) I
0: think. I think.
3: Taylor's cat is agreeing with you right now. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) my cat cat is is siding with Taylor. My cat pisses on keyboards. He has no opinion. Uh, (laughs) God, I mean, I mean, I think I'm not even like basing it off on like who can hit the most notes or whatever. Just like Azealia's voice. When she's loud and when she's quiet and when she's trying to emote and when she's trying to be angry, like whenever she dives into an emotion with her voice, I feel it. When Rihanna attempts to show emotion, I—I I don't know. I think my favorite vocal performance with Rihanna is on a lot of the songs with, on "Anti," but also on like uh, "Stay." I was really mm-hmm. impressed when that came out. I was like, "Okay, you do that," but um. Hmm. Like if I had somebody to choose from, like all the time to listen to them, I would hands down listen to Azilia. Also, because her music, uh, like discography so far, even though it's not as much as Rihanna. I just find it more engaging and interesting than Rihanna's discography.
0: Uh, huh. Well, we, we
1: did not, we did not think. Ahead to what would happen if we brought on someone else who wanted to talk about Azalea
0: Banks. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I honestly, ready. I'm like literally going to have to just change gears so that we don't continue down the rabbit <laughs> hole of Azalea Banks versus Rihanna. I really honestly, for my personal soul to like <laughs> thrive in this moment, I can't allow myself to like. I just I mm, I just can't I just can't. But I'm okay with
3: we that. Can't. We we don't have to continue. But I will just end on saying that "Broke with Expensive Taste" is better than any ah! album that Rihanna has ever put out. Oh,
0: oh, oh! oh. <laughs> was a,
1: we don't have to continue. <laughs> but and, like, but,
0: out but let, let me just finish. Completely. Oh my God! I literally, I actually am just going to shut that whole argument down. <laughs>
1: Literally oh my God, we were so close so, everybody we were so, so close like, to moving on
0: honest, honestly broke <laughs> even just by numbers broke with expensive taste is shut down underground underneath my foot like it does not even exist because anti is literally one of the best albums of the past like three or four years
3: mm, sure
0: the it, like, like, I'm, and listen, 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 let me tell you, because you could, you could, you could try and argue that Broke with the Expensive Taste had like lots of really cool songs on it, but fantasy was so much more groundbreaking, and fantasy still couldn't hold a candle to Rihanna's best album.
1: Or out I'm, I'm gonna be the water sign here, y'all. I'm gonna I'm gonna step in and say that we should
0: move on. from this I like movie. I just <laughs> genuinely. To... I'm also just like Taylor. How could you? How could you discredit the beauty that is rated R? Every it... everyone See...
2: loves
3: rated R. Rated R, Brianna. Okay, gonna... ah! Here's 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 oh. my opinions um i think it's so
0: hot right now discussing this <laughs>
3: <laughs> the leo the leo if is you out. On, on the whole point of fantasy fantasy is a mixtape amazing it definitely did a lot of things production wise and just like overall as a project that like not a lot of like rappers male female whatever what have you have done in the past like you know six seven years um, I wouldn't say that it's as great as, um, Broke With Expensive Taste, just cause for most of it, you know, I feel like she was just writing on this whole, like, internet, um, kind of like glitch pop, whatever, internet escape, house music mm-hmm. sound. I think she expounded right. on that more with Broke With Expensive Taste. Um, I won't continue to slander Rihanna, um...
0: Thank you. And you know what?
3: A lot of people, a lot of people, especially queer people, love rated R. Like it's like when you go down like different right. pop stars discographies, like they're like, mm-hmm. "Oh, Rihanna, her best album is rated R. Brittany, her best albums blackout. It's just yes. like everybody, all, every queer all, person all of, agrees.
0: Thank you. On, I was like, gonna, yeah. I was gonna say that, and like I was like, let me not stereotype people real quick because I just I, that could just be my opinion, <laughs> but it's true. It's it's motherfucking true.
3: It's it is very true. But, um, I, mm, mm, I don't, I think if you chose, mm, I don't know how to say this without hurting people's feelings. I think, <laughs> I think Broke With Expensive Taste did more sonically, vocally, and lyrically than the first three Rihanna albums combined. <sighs>
0: I, okay, okay. I do wanna... okay, 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 <laughs> okay, 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 I'm letting it go.
3: I just need her to just, like, get off the internet and just put out another album, put out Fantasy two. like, I need a project that's, like, fully cohesive, and that yeah. will tell if, you know, she has, you know, standing talent that can test the time, um... I think she's working herself Hi. back in people's favor as well. Like all these celebrities, like posting Anna Wintour, I'm like, okay, maybe she can like do something. She's got signed to a new label, so I think she can do well. I just think Azalea Banks' number one enemy is often herself. Always, two yep. um, million. We
1: can all agree on that. 20000%. Yeah. Whereas
3: Rihanna is just like chilling somewhere, probably like smoking a blunt. And then, like, she'll my just game. drop an album. It'll sell hundreds of thousands. She'll go on tour and then disappear again. Which is fine. But, That's um, my mood. That's my I'm mood. I'm still... What
1: mood. is Azalea Banks' Zodiac sign? She's a fucking Gemini. She's a Gemini. God. Oh,
0: yeah. She's a ouch. fucking Gemini. So she's volatile as fuck, too. Horse. But, okay, so oh back God. back to life. We're getting back to life. We're bringing it back in. And we're, she, about, to go, okay. we're about to go... The thing we're about... about- to go, no, wait, hold on, wait. We're gonna cause we're gonna bring it back in, and we're gonna jump off this ship, and we're gonna jump into another <laughs> ship, and it's gonna be the <laughs> Beyonce ship.
3: Oh god! <laughs> okay,
0: because that is the other. We literally are down an official rabbit hole, and I feel like you guys gonna have to edit like a half of this out. It's I be. honestly
1: think at this point I'm just <laughs> waiting like we can regroup when we hit the brake but we might as well if we're going down if our car is, it's brakes broken going down this hill we might as well let it go yeah 2 million
0: percent we're gonna fucking crash and burn it's gonna be great but we're gonna crash and burn talking about Beyonce at Coachella I'm good with that are we? Yeah. oh oh well
1: I <laughs> gonna crash and burn <laughs> I think we're gonna keep. I think that Beyonce is gonna captain this ship back into a, a little bit of safer waters. Taylor, but we'll see about but that. Wait, Not hold, sure. Hold
0: on, hold please. Is this you trying to like throw shade at Beyonce's Coachella performance?
3: No, I was just throwing shade. I'm kidding now. No, um, no I, was, I, was,
0: I was like, hold please.
1: Just being an air sign. Just throwing little side comments. I'm in literally
0: there. weeping because just- what do? Who wants to start? I don't have to start. who okay. else will start.
1: I'm obviously not going to start.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> well, I, in fact, how about this? I will. Okay, so everyone knows, every, everyone, everyone in the universe knows um, that the world actually did stop this weekend for a whole two hours. Um, it was in the wee hours of the night for those of us on the East Coast, and it was still in the wee hours mm-hmm. of the night for those on the West Coast, to be honest. Um, and some of us, myself um, included, stayed up until 3 a.m. No, excuse me, 4 a.m. Um, <laughs> watching Beyonce on Saturday mm-hmm. night and witnessed a pretty incredible tribute, um, obviously, to overall the overarching theme being really black shit and the underlying themes being um, HBCU like college, culture, and things like that Um, with a tribute to obviously the faves, Destiny's Child, Jay-Z was a throwaway didn't have to be there but I myself (laughs) I myself really found so much um, it honestly felt like such a personal experience watching her Coachella set I don't know if um, Taylor you felt this at all Um, But it spoke and she has been doing an incredibly articulate job at this, but I'm speaking to so many nuances of like the black, specifically black Southern experience. um, It's something that I just really felt so like I literally felt like she literally took a fucking x-ray of me, you know, because um, so much of the things that she brought up to the table in that performance or something, just things that I like remember growing up with, like going to fucking like step shows. Oh my God. I like haven't thought about a step show since I was maybe in high school, you know? And like, and like little, like just things like that. Then like, I haven't sang the like black national anthem since I was like, at like my uncle's church like, six years ago, you know? Like, there's, like, little things <laughs> like that that she, like, I'm seeing, but, the, you know, like, little things like that she that she brings out in these performances lately that's just been, like, so extremely indicative of how how found she is and how settled she is in her own voice and what she wants to say and how much autonomy she has over her message. Like, that's just, it's just, it's so great. And she doesn't shy away from it, and she honestly, like you think that the moment when you think she's going to shy away from it, she just dives the fuck in. Like, she puts the hand all the way in the booty, and she's just, like, she's pulling that shit the fuck out (laughs) of you. Like, she's doing the whole thing. And I just really, um, I really, really admire so much about what she does, and I think if any time, like, this weekend has, like, solidified, like, if it already hadn't, which it has, but has solidified Beyonce like, as one of the most incredible performers of all time as Whitney as Wendy Williams said living or dead one of the most amazing performers of all time
1: okay camp counselor here I'm taking the talking stick talking stick and I'm giving it to Taylor
0: now uh, <laughs> sorry hey oh did you want an intro or did you want an intro
1: I did I I I'm, I I, would get, I was waiting for you to be done with the talking stick and I'm taking it and now I'm giving it to Taylor uh, I hate you, you know,
0: <laughs> I, I fucking hate you
3: <laughs> 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 um okay so uh, admittedly I didn't watch the entire two hour thing number one Blasphemy. I'm a very busy woman um, number two I have kids to serve at shows so I have not been able to sit down and watch like the entire two hour but I did watch 30 minutes of it and that's really all I needed to see was it the um, first 30? Yes, the first 30.
0: Okay, those were probably gonna, the most important. I'm still going
3: to watch the rest. Okay. I'm, I've seen other bits from the other hour and a half that I didn't see. I saw the Destiny's Child bit. I saw some launch, I saw Beautiful. the outfit changes.
0: You did the whole thing. I read thing. the
3: entire, yeah, I read the oh, entire, yeah. like, list of songs and how they, like, transition into other songs. Yeah. So, like, I got the judge. Um, mm,
0: you're a breast. I love
3: it. I, I don't consider myself a member of the Beehive just because, like, I don't know. You did take the, the blood members,
0: off. Yeah.
3: I don't know about all that. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think hands down, I don't think anybody with like 2.5 brain cells can like sit here and say with a straight serious face that Beyonce is number one, not talented, number two, can't sing, number three, can't dance, and number four isn't like one of the best entertainers of our generation and of, like, the past, like, 50, 60 years. If somebody, like, says that to me, even as not a member of the Beehive, I will just cuss them out. Because it's just, number one, it seems to me very, like, riddled and, like, misogynoir. Like, why Mm -hmm. does everybody Mm want to critique this strong, independent black woman who is doing, like, leaps and bounds and circles around her white counterparts? Like, Beyonce did more in that, You know, two hour set than, you know, Lady Gaga has done in the past like three, four years. Katy Perry can't do that. Um, Oh my
0: God, she's not even in the same conversation. Not even the same
3: conversation, completely.
0: (laughs) I totally feel you. It's just like, Mm -hmm.
3: it's just like, I don't get it. Like, sure, she may not, you know, be like Patti LaBelle vocally. Not everybody needs to be Patti LaBelle vocally. Sure, she may not, you know.
0: I only want Patti LaBelle. Truly. You only want Patty LaBelle? I only, like, in terms of people who can sing like Patty LaBelle, I only want her. Like, she, I, like Very she's true. The only, Very she's true. the only one that I need. Mama Patty is, like, she's the one. For sure.
3: She's great. I think, um, I think, and people kept on comparing like, Beyonce, like, oh, they're like, you know, Beyonce's not anywhere close to MJ, not even close to Janet. It's just like, why do we always have think to, so? like, make... I mean, I have my own opinion, but it's also a question of, like, why do we have to, like, compare black artists to each other? Like, why can't they all be great in their own individual rights? I don't see anybody sitting here having, like, a fight over, like, ooh, you know, Madonna and Katy Perry and Lady Gaga. Like, there's only one person. They can only do this. It's just like, no. Why are, like, white women singers allowed to just be mediocre and exist, but Beyonce can't be great in black (laughs) and hold her place? Yeah. Too many percent. I think... I, uh-huh. I think she's prepping for a release. Um, Same. I've been told to hold on to the date of April 29th. April um, again? Yeah, because she's also, like, doing a... She has another, like, con- or set this upcoming weekend at Coachella.
0: But, like, April? Wait, oh, you mean April 29th? Oh, I get what you're saying. Okay, okay.
2: So like she, yeah, she I released think, um, Lemonade
0: on April, what was it, April, whatever, Eli, what day was it, 23rd? Uh, I don't I know, so. I, can I think it up. was. I think it was April 23rd, that's when I had my um my show, but yeah. I like, remember it was like the ordained- April 23rd, you called yeah, it, the, you got it, it right, I got it one. It was the ordained day of Beyonce, I like, felt very <laughs> blessed. But, that's yeah, crazy. But I think,
3: um, Beyonce's great, she's fine, she's perfect. Um, I have my own critiques of Beyonce, but
0: La, uh, as a,
3: uh, uh, as an entertainer, as an entertainer and what she did at Coachella there, I don't see how anybody can sit here and be like, that wasn't good. That wasn't great. And that she's not talented. I mean, here's the uh, thing.
0: Right. I think everyone's in unanimous decision about it being incredible. I don't think that anyone can shake a fucking stick at what she did. I don't know if that's more so the argument. I think it's kind of like I don't know. Oh, there
3: there are definite people who are just like all she did was gyrate, She can't sing. That was probably lip syncing. Those people.
0: Those people are deaf, dumb, and blind. I guess that does that actually. There's no way. Oh, my God. Right,
1: but, I mean, it's like Taylor said, it's, like, it, it's soaking in misogynoir because it's, like, objectively not true, and so it's, like, well, then, where are, where is that sentiment coming from? Of course. If,
0: yeah, for sure. If it's
1: obviously not coming from, like, fact or reality, so...
0: From fact or reality, dad. <laughs> so real. Yeah, I mean, like, listen, I think I honestly, like, I know that we, like, canonize Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson, and I am two million percent on the Janet Jackson train, but at yes. the end at the end of the day, like, girl, if Beyonce, and, I, and I, I get this, but, like, put Beyonce in the context of, like, a long time ago, and her doing what she did, and, like, maybe say, like, I, if you just wanted to contextualize, like, her and Michael Jackson around the same time, if Beyonce was Beyonce at the same time, Michael Jackson was Michael Jackson, oh my God. Oh my God. Like I just feel like I, honest, I on honest, and and I get that like and I get that there can't be a Beyonce without Michael and Janet Jackson and like I I understand that and I also want to press the fact that like Beyonce has really just she's in her own league in her own lane and she is the probably one of the most incredible world class performers that we have who can do what she does. And I don't think that there's anybody who has done what she can do. I also, I, I also, I just don't think that there is. And I think that, and I, to that also, to that point, I don't think that anyone has said the things that Beyonce has said in terms of politically, in terms of what her music has said. I don't think that anyone has tapped into that, especially in specific relation to lemonade, era Beyonce and to now I think Mm. another
1: another thing is that I really do think that like Beyonce I mean we can talk I I'm like huge huge I love Janet I love MJ like I I don't know like but at the same time like Beyonce is not the same generation of music as MJ or Prince or Janet Jackson it's true that she was recording and making music there's an overlap there between all of those artists but like her peak and, like, her pop star existence is not the same generation of pop star existence as those artists. And, like, when you are, like, a superstar, so much of what constructs your work is how you relate to the generation of pop culture that you are a part of. And in that way, like, it's really hard for me to even try and think about comparing those artists. Like, they just are different... I don't know. Like it, it, just seems like almost impossible to compare them unless you're just talking about like danceability and song ability, and that doesn't really feel like a healthier or constructive conversation to have about them when they're like so much more than that. Yeah. Absolutely,
3: I think that people forget that like all those artists that the listening, like Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson. They changed with the times. When Michael Jackson, when he went solo and started to put out music, he was doing the whole like kind of like kind of funky pop thing. And then when the 80s came along and rock was taken over, he did rock. And then when hip hop came right. in the early 90s, he did hip hop. Janet went from like, you know, pop kind of R&B, then she went to like deeper R&B. In the 90s, she even did like house. So like yeah, those artists like, how, were like... She did like
1: drum and bass. She was doing all yeah. that stuff up in
0: there. I mean, and also to note that like Michael Jackson like invented a genre that is like New Jack Swing, which became like R&B and hip hop, you know? So like all of that is also to the credit of like Beyonce and like artists that make music of that same genre would not exist without that. Sure. So Very true. I don't know. I mean it's fine. I just think that like there's no reason why like what is like it's like what Beyonce has to like die to be on the same level of like Michael Jackson because she will be if she does. (laughs) <laughs> like, to be fair. That like, is how I mean, our but, culture but, consumes But to people. be, but to be like, honest, you know, like I think that's like what we're like measure. That's like I think that's like the standard by, by which we're measuring if Beyonce is of that same level. Like, does she have to like die to be like martyred so that we can like officially include her in that conversation? or um or are we actually going to take it at face value and really appreciate the fact that like she's literally doing this still alive and so and gather, and honestly like pulling in the attention of so many people who otherwise like would not be paying attention to her, you know. Like she's literally commanding the attention of straight white men at this point. It's crazy. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> And, like, and honestly, and I don't want to get back into the Janet rabbit hole, but, like, I hate the fact that so much... I of, love the Janet rabbit hole. I know, but so much of Janet's career has been marred by the um, the mishandling... Nipple uh, gains. Yeah, of the mishandling uh, of an incident that happened with this white man who benefited from her failure and her demise of her career. And I honestly, mm-hmm. like, and we can't, we can't... We I feel as if we honestly can't hold Janet to that same standard after that happened I think she's still that person and I think I wish her career was still at that level but it's just not like I honestly when I think of Janet Jackson the woman who was in the scream video like that is the era of Janet and pre that era that I think of as that performer of that caliber I don't think she's that anymore Mm. So it's just like, and I blame, and I blame so many other factors for that, not actually Janet Jackson.
1: It's just like I wouldn't what... say. Go ahead, Taylor.
3: I wouldn't say that. It's I wouldn't say like her. I, I mean, I would still hold her to that caliber because she, you know, is still touring. She's still doing amazing, like work. And her last album was great you know, for sure. Yeah, yeah, but it, in terms of like. Visibility and like just like presence, like in the entertainment industry compared to pre nipplegate. No, definitely, she's definitely like lost some of that, right? But uh, I don't know, it's it's a very weird, hard predicament. I think that also her history of being a black woman who is a pop megastar who's not afraid to talk about sex, especially as a black woman like mm-hmm. I think that also kind of contributed and also to nipplegate um it was just I think people used her past like openness to talk about sexuality to just also just ridicule her and I think also with the discipline record that kind of came out a few years after nipplegate yeah. um I think people I think people were, were waiting for her to come back begging And she didn't do that because she didn't need to. And I think that kind of also didn't help her out.
1: Yeah, it was like she... Definitely. I mean, that's how pop culture consumes people it's like either you die and you become like a martyr like overnight you go from being totally underappreciated to being like tweeted about by every white rock superstar who apparently like bought the first ever prince record on vinyl when like probably that isn't even true or like (laughs) something happens in pop culture where they decide to kick you out and unless you play by their rules they won't let you back in and that's just sort of the end of your career and the end of your existence in that realm i mean you can put out as much amazing amazing Music as you want, but like you're out of that world.
0: I think Taylor's probably talking about something that's a little bit more personal than the fact that like Janet, as a black woman, was ousted from so much of the pop sphere, like literally like banned from award shows within that same year, and the fact that when she did come back, like Taylor said, like she didn't come back repentant. And I think that that's probably the most powerful testament to who she is and her character and who she is as an artist. And I think that that's what white people and white music executives hated so much and refused to acknowledge and i think that's mm-hmm. something that's so i think that's something that's so extremely important that i honestly never fucking thought about until this point because so much of that whole discipline era like um, even like honestly like Demeter joe discipline like that whole era 20yo all that like she just was she just got back on the fucking horse like and she yeah. wasn't and she honestly wasn't phased by what people were saying or what they were going to think and i think that i think that's something that was so remarkable about her career is that her music honestly just picked right back up where it left off. And I think that that was, I think that honestly is probably the most inspiring part about her musical journey for me.
1: I think it also shows that she has always been an artist who cares so deeply about the music that she makes Like for sure, I think that she could just stop selling records completely, like just become like have every record be a huge dud and she would still keep making the music that she makes because she is dedicated to the act of creating like that is a core part of who she is.
0: For sure. I I totally agree. Oh my gosh.
1: um, (laughs) (laughs) Take a little breather. I'm going to get some tea.
0: Oh, my gosh. And uh, it's, it's we will take a quick tea? break. Is it sweet um so sweet it is, tea?
1: It is going to be sweet tea, just for the occasion. Oh,
0: M.G. <laughs> You're so cute, little pudding. Um You're I'm so putting cute. it on my
1: little... I have I have these little yarn-woven coasters that are uh, skillets with cornbread in them. Those right. are my coasters. I'm going to get my little sweet tea. I'm going to put it on my little cornbread toaster. I can't do that. It you. actually kind of mimics the Southern Fried Queer Pride logo, which I love, but... Anyway, Aww. um y'all enjoy some music, some little tune, and we will be right back, y'all, with,
0: with more heat. Yes. <laughs>
2: i to be
1: was Night Work by, you guessed it, Taylor Alexander. That's right. She sings, she dances, she works, she makes it all go, she organizes, and a lot more, which we're about to learn about on this second half of the episode. You can find her music on Spotify or other streaming services. It's Taylor Alexander, T-A-Y-L-O-R-A-L-X-N-D-R. Thanks for sticking around, and I promise we're not going to bring up Azalea Banks again.
0: Oh my gosh! Hello! Welcome back! Hi everyone! How- welcome! Hi- that, was so, that was so formal. Hi everyone! That was really cute! Uh, hi! Hey everyone.
1: <laughs> hey everyone, welcome to our ASMR video channel. Oh! oh God. my. Have you all seen those awful, 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 <laughs> awful, oh, awful, my awful videos? God. I'm literally about to cancel uh, you for
0: Lord. the rest of summer 18. I'm done. Jeez. Well,
1: it's like, yeah, I just want to listen to your lips smacking together for like 20 minutes. That sounds wonderful.
0: I if not responding to that. <laughs> so,
1: oh my so gosh. So we're back with we, Taylor Alexander. We are uh, ex- executive took, director of Southern Fried Queer Pride. Yeah,
0: we took a little bit of a little um we like so if we were on a street, right? We were supposed to turn to the right and then we but instead we kept going straight, right? And we missed mm-hmm. like we missed all the exits and then mm-hmm. tried to make a left on like a highway. And,
1: yeah, and now we're on like <laughs> one of those stretches in West Virginia where there are like no exits. No, here's the thing. And no gas. But here's the
0: thing is that you can't make a left on the highway because we hit the median. So we just literally just like swerved and like wrecked a little bit. So, <laughs> somewhere near the Azalea Banks exit, and then we and then eventually someone <laughs> someone towed us out of the thing. And now we're at now, <laughs> yeah. we're, now we're at the we, car repo lot trying to get our shit back together. That's where we, we are We tried right to do, now. like, a
1: three-point turn, and it turned into, like, a 23-point turn with, yeah. like, hitting the median back with, and forth. But also, and with, like,
0: we, then we had to bring out, like, a pie chart and, like, a bar graph and, like, all <laughs> this stuff. <laughs> That's how. So. That's how many points we actually ended up bringing out in that turn. Like we had to actually bring out real points. Exactly. So,
1: so back at the depot. Back. Taylor, at um, the dep- could you could you <laughs> just enlighten us and our listeners just a little bit on the mission for Southern Fried Queer Pride and sort of how you got started doing that work?
3: Yeah. Um. So we started. I guess I'll start with how we, how we started. We started um, kind of out of frustration out of a lot of different things. There, mm-hmm. we didn't see the you know Atlanta Pride here in Atlanta. Um, you know, about five or six years ago, wasn't really like reaching the communities that we were a part of, which were queer and trans, black and brown people. Um, we didn't see like artists reflected. We just didn't see a space for like even people who were under the age of twenty one. Um, it was just a lot of a lot of like frustrations we were you know me and my friend mickey who uh co-founded it with me we were you know kind of just like this not really like we were disenfranchised definitely but just more so just eager to create the community that we didn't have coming from rural towns i come from a town an hour south of atlanta called griffin which is just very like Country our main exports are athletes and meth, so like nothing really was there
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, yeah so we wanted to create that, and we also didn't really have a lot of like pride here in Atlanta about around being southern um and being queer, yeah because uh, everybody you know was constantly moving to like California or Seattle or brooklyn right. it's just like what about what's here um so that's really why s f q p started we uh We started organizing house parties that were fundraisers in 2014. We had our first festival in 2015. And now we have an annual festival here in Atlanta. We have another festival that we just added last year in Durham. Um, We have over 40 events that go on outside of the festival here in Atlanta. So we're really just like branching out and, you know, doing different things. So, but with our mission statement is really just a... It's for the community, by the community. We're, like, here uplifting people who are doing the work, who don't get the recognition, um, specifically through the arts, because, of course, there's a whole, like, you know, political, like, lobbying and stuff that, you know, gets people rights, but what really kind of, like, moves the culture is the artists and the community. That's where we kind of find ourselves fitting in, and it's been a really great run so far, so I'm really excited for where we go from here.
1: I love that. I love everything about that. Um, I so I first uh, found out. I found out about Southern Fried Queer Pride and about you through um, the article that you had posted on them them.us, um, which I mentioned earlier in um, on this episode, which is called "Nonbinary Folks Are Still Invisible Even in Queer Spaces." And I'm just gonna read a very short. Little excerpt from it aloud just so just for context for everybody in case they can't like pull it up on their phones in front of them right now. Okay. Okay. Uh, um
0: I can't.
1: <laughs> those of us who don't perform gender correctly, whether cis or trans, are often told to pick a side or become tossed to the side entirely. We're generally invisible to the wider community. People don't look at us, or sorry, people look at us and don't know how to include us, love us, hear us, fuck us, or value us because they're taught to instill value and worth in the polar ends of the binary and the safety of rigid gender roles. Anyone living in between or outside the binary is disqualified or forgotten. So this is something that I that really resonated with me when I first read it. as a non-binary person, as someone who is in the process of changing my pronouns, um, living in the South has oftentimes, for me, been, like, a source of conflict there and, like, a source of pain where I oftentimes, sometimes, or sometimes I just feel defeated and I'm like, I'm just going to move to New York or, you know, Chicago or wherever where people who I meet will, like understand where i'm coming from and there's this like really big and vibrant queer community that i can be a part of and wouldn't that be so great and like the choice to stay in the south for longer periods of time has been like a conflicted one but one at the end of the day that i feel very like happy about um and i just wondered if you wanted to speak on that experience of being non-binary in the South, where it is, you know, I think it's hard to be non-binary anywhere with this issue of invisibility, but especially in the South. And I wondered if you could share a little bit of that experience with us from your perspective.
3: Definitely. I think with with my experience, you know, being Black and Indigenous and being in the South and being non-binary and queer, um, you already have a lot of shit flung at you. You already have a lot of boxes placed around you. Um, yeah. and so there's constantly people telling you, you have to act a certain way, exist a certain way based on certain things. And then you have a lot of people just invalidating your identity because they say it doesn't exist, even though historically and actually currently, like we all, we've always existed. Queer and trans people have been here since the dawn of time. Um, right. so it's, you know, I don't think it's specific to the South, but I think being non-binary specifically, um, even within like the transgender community at large is constantly reminding people and assuring people that, yes, my identity does exist and I am a person and this is valid and you have to respect it. Um, and I think specifically like even with the South, you know, there is a lot of like religious people. There are a lot of like religious people here. There are, um, there's a lot of gendered language um, but at, even at the same time, you know, there's, the South has a long history of having a lot of gender neutral languages. Um, A-A-V-E, specifically mm-hmm. Southern, A-A-V-E has a lot of gender neutral na- language. Uh, y'all is my favorite gender neutral word for people. Say We <laughs> <literally laughs> All three of us. Should have yes. done the whole episode on that, but yes, we agree, <laughs> totally. Yes, God. So, it's just like, you know, even though people are trying to invalidate me and say that, you know, oh, I can't use they them because it's not grammatically correct, or or, I don't know any gender-neutral, like, pronouns, and I don't need, like, all this different stuff. It's like, you're actually, like, in a place in this country that has always had gender-neutral options. It's just society at large told you that you had to go in two directions. So... It's also just like a constant battle of like, no, not battle, but it's a constant need to like of having to educate people um, and just constantly, you know, show them worlds they didn't even know exist and in a way that is exhausting to me as a person, but it's also, you know, really, you know, it's something that I love doing because I'm showing them possibilities they didn't even know exist. And I'm showing them that they have, like, options outside of the ones that society placed for them. Um, I think with specifically the queer community here and being non-binary, um, I think Atlanta has really grown in the last, like, two or three years in terms mm-hmm. of, like, the queer community, like, and trying to engage and being supportive of the trans community. But yeah. even then, it's just, like, quote-unquote queer spaces sometimes can just be a fucking pageant and they can just be completely like the opposite of all the like inclusive hoopla they try to to run around with so i think the community at large is unlearning a lot of things about gender mm-hmm. and at the same time we're creating new ways and naming new ways to identify so you know, it's, it's, I don't know if I'll identify the same way in like, you know, four or five years, but currently, right now, totally, as a non binary person, um, it's a beautiful thing. I wouldn't trade it for the world, but it's also a constant, like, battle of reassuring people that I'm valid and real and you should respect me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. For sure. Yeah, definitely. I totally feel that. I love the, um, the part that I was talking about, the U.S. I just talked about, about, like, being out and, like, how it's, like, a pageant and things like that. And I think something that I um, talk about with other people, especially other queer people, is about how, you know, when you go out and or, or when you're, like, in these social spaces, like, how it's so hard, in my opinion, to find community amongst other, like, black and brown people. Um But I don't know what it Mm -hmm. is, and I think it, like, might be that, like, weird pageantry or maybe it's just the fucking thirst gets a hold of you and you don't, like, see me as, like, (laughs) your, like, non-cis-cis, you know what I'm saying? And, like, we're, like, not, like, on this level of, like, just acknowledging each other in a space and, like, finding some sort of... I don't know, not peace with that, but finding some sort of, like, commonality in that when we're in these spaces. And I find that to be extremely, like, deafening and isolating in those moments. And, like, even outside of just gender, like, purely on race, like, I feel like um, there's so little community between brown, queer people, especially in social circles.
3: I totally agree with that. It's, um... I don't know what it is, but it's just like, I've noticed like when we, I'm in we like. we rather black hang out with white
0: spaces. people? Is that what's happening? We just wanna hang out with white people? That... All the time. <laughs> like, what's going on? Like, I'm so confused.
3: Like, I know walking into like majority white spaces, I'm already just like, I'm just here to get a drink because ain't none of these white people gonna talk to me and I'm just here to have a good time. But when I'm in like black and brown sure. spaces, I'm like, all right, I'm here with family. I see you. We look the same. Had the same lingo like it's gonna be cute and like I oh, go and it's just like everybody has their like noses stuck up and turned up all the time and it's just like right. why are we so like why why are we like this not only are we like black and brown but we're also queer some of us are trans mm-hmm. and we're sitting here not talking to each other out of like petty nonsense so it's just like yeah. I think I don't know if it's like that all over the rest of the country, but at least here in
0: Atlanta. I mean, it's is in New that when like you first York, girl, enter it? So, oh wow! So I mean, I mean. <laughs> so, you know, and I and I totally feel that. I feel like um, I feel as if it's it's just it, I can't put my name. I can't put a name on it. Like honestly, I can't tell you what it is. But I feel like there's something. In um in a lot of this internalized, like, hate of self that begins mm. to pit us against each other instead of being like, oh, my God, hey, girl, like, you know, or like, whatever. And, like, finding some sort of community with that, because I feel like that's my biggest struggle as a young, queer, brown, black person that, like that um that it's really hard to find community of people that look just like me and I know that there's a fucking lot of us and I don't want to hear that bullshit that there aren't because there are so many and I'm just like and I wonder right. I wonder where these spaces are that we can occupy that are going to allow us to flourish as a community and I I honestly don't feel like it exists for me I haven't found that So, and I and I blame that I blame a lot of that too on the demographics of New York. I don't live in a predominantly like black neighborhood, but I do live in a predominantly like Asian, Latin neighborhood overall. And I feel as if um I don't know, and I wonder like I, I guess my overall sentiment is that like there are so few black people that are central to where I live and where I work and where I do things and I feel like like, black people, like, they're like they're up in Harlem and they're in the Bronx and etc. And I'm like, maybe I'd find more community in that part of the city or whatever. But I feel like that's a big part of it, the fact that, like, so many black and brown people have been pushed to, like, these outskirts of New York. And so it is kind of hard to find community within that because everyone's so either far apart or doesn't live in the city or whatever. And yeah. so there actually isn't much community geographically. And I think about that, too, and I wonder if that's an issue, and I know that Atlanta is very black, and I um, and I wonder, like, I don't know, it's, it's just interesting how it like, I guess, compares and contrasts depending on where you are, but how it still seems to be an overarching similar sentiment.
3: I definitely think, like, I don't know, it's, it's weird here, because I think, I think the younger generation that, you know, is made up of like, I don't know, like, I go to like events and parties and social things where you know black and brown people who are like you know 35 and below and mm-hmm. it's just like so mixed with like people of different genders and people uh from different backgrounds and i have a great time but it's always when i'm with like the older like black and brown crowd
2: mm-hmm. that just
3: like some it turns into like a pageant and nobody's talking to each other and i think that um I don't know I just see it like I think the younger generation is going to be the ones to like really just break that bullshit and just go forth with it like like I went to I went to New York once and Mm. I went to poppy juice
0: oh my god poppy juice okay can I can I (laughs) what was what was your experience of poppy juice because I'm gonna give you mine because it was terrible
3: (laughs) oh okay (laughs) Um, your, what i
0: yours?
3: mean it was cute i mean the music was great the people were cool i didn't have no bullshit i went there with the majority of black people it was just like a a groovy time and it kind of reminds me of a lot of like more like house party diy functions here in atlanta mm-hmm. um i've heard some things about fringes from black people but i had uh... a good time <laughs> yeah, I
0: mean, listen. I my experience was colored by a couple different things, and I will preface that I um that it was the weekend after the um, the Pulse like nightclub like shooting oh, basically, wow. um mm-hmm. and it and it just happened to be like Pride weekend in New York. It was extremely extremely surreal. Um, mm-hmm. but when I did go, um, I was just i was very just so fucking surprised that like even in these like predominantly all black and brown queer spaces that the that (laughs) the few white people that were there were the ones that like people were like flocking over and like no like (laughs) like right i know and it's, like, the few white people that were there were the ones that people, like, were flocking over. And, like, there was... I just didn't... It just felt like everyone was all, like, clicked off and, like, no one was really trying to vibe. And, like, it just wasn't, like, a very accepting or welcoming space. It was very, like, we're over here, you're over there, oh, and this white cutie is over there, and I'm gonna talk to him. And, like, it was, like, very... It was so weird. Honestly, that was the first and last time I went because I was just so, like... My mind was blown by how, like... Just this the paradigm of like what that experience looked like. It was just it honestly was so weird. So, um so I have not gone back. It wasn't it just I don't know. Yeah. I like what they I like what they do and I get the message and I really appreciate that they, they have so much intention behind how they structure the event and who pays what and all that kind of stuff and I love that. But I think that there's definitely so much to unpack about the um the internalized racism that black, especially black queer people, have towards themselves, and not only that but this, it's not even just internalized racism, it's internalized homophobia, and like, this like, internalized, like, masculinity and like, all these types of things that really play into how we see ourselves and the communities that we want to create for ourselves, and it's just something that I feel like no one is having a conversation about because like, no one is talking about how black and brown queer people can love each other in a way that is communal and that allows for community and connection and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like that's something that I quite personally have not, like I haven't perfected that either. And I think it's also because of the lack of experience. Like, I mean, when you go to like a predominantly white institution and like you grow up in different communities and like, you just don't always grow up around it and you don't find much community in it when you're older, you know? Right. I said a mouthful, I don't know why I'm sorry.
3: Happens. No, you're totally fine. I think that, uh, I mean, that happens like everywhere. It's like, it can be the blackest function, point blank period. And mm. one, one little Chad will walk in and then suddenly everybody's throwing their panties all over them. It's just like, I don't understand mm. why. I mean, I understand why because white people...
0: Well, because it's a we're whole bunch taught,
3: of mess dealing with, like, white supremacy and, right. like,
0: And we're, like, taught usability. to it's love whiteness over blackness, for yes. sure. Two million percent.
3: Exactly. For sure.
0: For sure. And it also, mm-hmm. it brings up, um, and I always reference this when I talk about, like, colorism and stuff, but Malcolm X's speech, mm-hmm. Who Taught You to Hate Yourself? And that was something that I feel like is extremely important, because he talks about how white people have taught black people how to hate everything about themselves and how Mm -hmm. that is reflected and that is reflected in all of the things that we do and see and that impacts our relationships. And I think that's something that is so important to highlight is that when you're black and growing up in the South, your experience is not only you hating the way you look, but hating who you are and that is something that i feel like not many people talk very much about because we put whiteness on a pedestal and for so long and then in the queer community we put white heteronormative masculinity on a pedestal you know yes and so it's just yeah it's like it's it's wild that that's where we are still
1: yeah well, y'all, um, <sighs> I think we've hit that time. And have we really? I to, we have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we're, at, we're at quite a bit here. And, but I, do, I, I also wanted to, to leave some time um, just to ask, Taylor, how can people find you if they want to find you and your work online?
3: Oh, I'm glad you asked. You can find me <laughs> by dropping $40. <laughs> $40 yes. into my Venmo. It is at Taylor Alexander. Um, yes. No, but you can find me on all social media at Taylor Alexander, which is T-A-Y-L-O-R-A-L-X-N-D-R. Um, you can find my music on Spotify. You can find me at your local Waffle House. Um, mm, yeah. Yes. Everywhere. God, I'm so sad <laughs> we didn't get to talk about food. Uh, I mean, we still
0: can. We still can. <laughs> I mean. Well, um,
1: why do uh, let's have the the final question before we sign off oh, is my gosh. Taylor. What is your favorite? What is your your southern food of choice?
3: Oh my god. Um, southern food of choice. I think I'm gonna have to go with. Does that have to be a food or could it be a drink or just It could any be a drink.
0: It, yeah. Drink? Yeah.
3: I mean not to be that basic southern I'm from Atlanta obviously person but like Coca-Cola just like it's Oh. It's it's pretty good um specifically <laughs> the van, the vanilla flavor but like yeah vanilla coke and I don't know if this is just a southern thing, but like red velvet cake, is that a southern thing? I don't
0: know. Yeah. Uh, is
3: it? I, I don't can't... know. It's a good question.
0: That's a great question. Do
1: you all have <laughs> do do they have big red in Atlanta?
3: Oh, big red! What's big red? <laughs> it's a oh soda. My oh my god! Taylor. Are you, you really from it? the South? Are you really no, from the I th- South? Th- Do the no, know what Micah, big red I think it's is? like a, it's like
1: a, it's like a Midwest South thing. That's the, that's the thing. What? It's like not. That's okay, why, that's why but, I asked that is
0: because I don't but, even know wait, if they like make because it. Because isn't, isn't cheer wine? That's still the
3: cheer wine
0: right? is cheer wine is
1: also... There are
3: like, so many different like Southern things. Like in Georgia, like Coke is the drink. If you go to Texas. Right. It's Dr Pepper. If you go to North Carolina, it's like some kind of root beer. You know, even like fast food yes. restaurants, like some parts of the South is Whataburger. We don't have that in Georgia, so our in Kentucky, uh, yeah. in
1: Kentucky it's Big Red, which you should try sometime. If you oh, like vanilla Coke, I... you'll probably like it.
0: Well, let me tell
3: it you, it sounds intimidating. Thing...
1: It is intimidating. <laughs> it is bright red in color, which yes. is intimidating. <laughs>
0: it's problematic. Part... It's problematic. Oh, oh no, Big Red.
3: Does it have like a like a Native American person that's their mascot no it it doesn't oh, like, thank God. I would, thank i would I would
1: not be surprised if somebody told me that there was some connection I mean I at some point right <laughs> at some point. Same,
0: same the best part about southern food for sure, especially if you're talking about like things that are like in Georgia is definitely two million percent every single time gonna be Bojangles oh yeah white yeah, biscuits. <laughs> what oh did you just don't question the bojangles love now we can like we can box we can spar All right, that's gonna to nice. y'all can again. bop it
1: y'all can bop it out about bojangles off of the recording can we do
0: can you know, we what? all get in a can we all get in agreement though before we do this that like this this is this is the truth i no. don't i <laughs> whoo- what is your oh <laughs> Eli? Thank you hold all on. so much for what's, listening this week. What's your favorite to... fat what's your favorite fried chicken spot then? I need to know.
3: Um, favorite fried chicken spot, we don't go to fried chicken spots, we make it ourselves. Oh, uh, well that You do but But it'll probably be Popeyes.
1: Oh uh, um, Micah and I do both love Popeyes.
0: Okay, we do I have done some terribly crazy things. We've done things. some terrible
1: things. I have done
0: s- I have literally I have walked across eight lanes of traffic without the right of way to get Popeyes. Yeah. I literally have traveled thirty minutes via subway just to get Popeyes. It's oh, okay. actually so sad the things that I have done to get Popeyes in my life.
1: Thanks everyone for listening to our show. Brought to you, brought to you by Popeyes. Popeyes, you got, you got You got Taylor's Venmo handle. So Popeyes, just for that little spot, you can just please, send you it. pop, pop yeah, you money. can pop over some money, please. Yes, pop um, that
0: pussy in that Venmo. Amen. As always,
1: you can reach us at beforeanythingelsepodcast.gmail.com, Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Bay Podcast. And y'all already know. Y'all know. You better know. If you don't know now, Your you best know. know. And hey. we'll be getting at you real soon. Thank you all for tuning in. We love you so much. And Taylor, thank you so 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 much for being here. It's been such a blast. Literally, of turn thank the fuck you so up. much,
0: Taylor. You're gonna be back as a co-host again. It's gonna be so much
3: fun. <laughs> Yay! More standing for Azilia Banks we literally okay,
1: we're gonna definitely, <laughs> We'll have a whole episode. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll just definitely, open up a whole hour and a half for it.
0: <laughs> definitely not gonna talk about Isaiah Banks anymore. Like I will find we a we way time. to
3: sneak her in.
0: I will I'll cry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks, y'all. Catch you all next, oh my God. next time around the bend. We love
0: you. TTYL T T Y L y'all.
1: Thank <laughs> you.